welcome, guys, to our show that we call 3D Traders. This is the show where we give you three different perspectives on what we're seeing that's being activated in the market. We have Patrick, who is actually uh, the AMD lover, and he's a specialist in news, and he has basically the ear on the railroad track and understands all the news coming out, and he understands how to decipher it. Then we have the forever Tesla optimist, Everson, all the way in Hawaii, and he is amazing at describing what is a good apple and bad apple with his fundamentals. He understands the P-E ratios, and he can tell you when a stock's going to go up or down. And then you have myself, Max. I basically look at charts all day, and I'm looking for momentum, emotions. But when you combine our three visions, our three perspectives, you're getting a 3D image of what the market is actually doing. And so listen to our show. We're providing a lot of value. And listen to each perspective and find the information that you like and the information that you don't like. And then you'll grow as a trader. That's what our job is. We're trying to make you guys increase a little bit here and there, make you more uh, a more consistent, safer, profitable trader. That's our goal. So let's uh, actually Ka-ching. first the disclosure. This is for entertainment purposes. We're trying to help you become a better trader, but there's always a risk when you invest money in the market. Uh, so let's start with uh, last week. What did we see? What happened? What kind of trades did we do, Everson? Start us off. How about you start off with uh, Patrick? I'm a little bit behind here. I, I do yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, Patrick, what do you have? Well, why is the SPY above 300? I mean, if people are discounting the market is so much optimism. We've talked about it several times now. People are living on hopes and dreams. There's going to be a vaccine soon. No, no, not yet. Um, a lot of companies are still struggling. There's a huge concentration of activity in certain companies that are doing really well, especially if you think of the FANG, which is the big tech, tech stocks. But other than that, a lot of the sectors of the economy are still struggling. I'm living in Virginia. We're actually in an uptrend still. Uh, the governor is adding more restrictions right now. So people are living with rose-colored glasses right now. Uh, the market is really high up. So for me, I'm always cautious a little bit. This week, one good play that I did, um, I, I was a little bit lucky with silver. You know that I trade silver every week. Um, I was at 16.50 and it went all the way down under 16. But then as the week went on, it went back up above 16.50. So that was a really good, I made a decent amount of profit on that. And then Something else that might be interesting for viewers is we've talked a few times before about power hour, which is, or as Max likes to call it, amateur hour, which is from 9.30 in the morning to about 10.30, which is mostly retail investors that trade in the morning on emotion. So that's why there's a lot of volatility in the morning, especially. So in that first hour, you can often use that momentum going one way to exploit it a little bit. Uh, so I was looking at a company called Logitech, which most of you probably knows. It's a manufacturer of uh, hardware for uh, computers. And it's been on an uptrend. So I just bought a call. And by the next day in the morning, it shot straight up. So I was able to sell it for about 1% or 20% profit overnight. And then as the day went on, 
it retraced back a little bit. So you, you, if you want to exploit this big momentum, you have to be in and out fairly quickly. Everson can probably talk about it a little bit more since he does that fairly often. But I thought that people might want to take that into consideration because sometimes you might be on the other end of the spectrum. So you have to be really careful about that. Wow. So there you go. I mean, strategies to make 120% overnight. That's amazing. But remember, this doesn't happen every time. There's always risk that, involved. There's always risk involved, but that's the possibility. You know, if you're going to work, if you still have a job, it's a lot harder to make that kind of income. At home, Patrick, in a couple of hours, he made that. So it's possible with the correct information. And that's what we're trying to provide here to help you guys guide in that direction. Now, he did mention about the first hour of the market, the amateur hour. Um, so the market acts very differently the first hour of the day. It acts very differently during lunchtime on the East Coast, which is 12 to 1. And then you have the veterans that finish the rest of the day. So let's move on to Everson. Are you ready to share what you uh, saw last week, what you did? Yeah, so I, I actually traded out on Facebook. I actually made a call at the top um, for, for Facebook. And with perfect precision, I think nothing could be could have been more perfect than that. Uh, so that I, I think I think there's a little over a hundred percent, if I'm not mistaken. And so you know, made made good money on that, and then ended up wanting to get into a puts position, but I I decided to just trade something else. Uh, I could have done a puts position and made the same. Because the the drop was just as well as the as this climb, um, but I mean you know my, I made money off of it, so we don't need to be greedy in the, in this situation. But I <clears throat> what I am working on is I am working on trying to be trying to consolidate the amount of stocks that I'm um, researching or looking into. I just see opportunity. I get excited. It's like a kid in a candy store, you know. You see, uh, you see stocks, you're like, oh, this one's on sale. <laughs> and so, uh, well, not a kid. I mean, <laughs> kids would have been able to tell sale prices, I think. They just see and they want. <laughs> but that's kind of like I don't know. I, Warren Buffett started reading that at like 15 years old. Started oh, reading yeah. uh, ticker strips, yeah. Um, awesome. But, yeah, so I did Facebook. Um, I, I've been strong on uh, – Tesla. Uh, I picked up a, a company, um, Triumph Group. Um, so I picked up some puts on Triumph Triumph Group. Um, they they'd actually gone up a, a little bit. So I'm I'm still all over the place, but uh, trying to just do some uh, you know consolidation standards at this point. Uh, good news. I believe that I have reached my goal for the year. So right now. It's just all profitability from here and just, you know, building the growth of, of finance. So I'm pretty excited about that. Everson, is it That's... safe to say that you thrive in chaos with all of your positions? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, because it's like, like the momentum, right? So when you get things that's, that's happening, when chaos is happening in the world, that's all the more opportunity to be able to make money. If there isn't no chaos, then you, would, you just have a, a consistent something, you know. Uh, and you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to see the spikes of things. So just the fact that that the world is chaotic right now gives you the opportunity to be able to like you should be in the market now. 
there's no better time to be in the market right now. Well, as for myself, <laughs> uh, I got into uh, into silver, of course. Uh, that's what I do all week. But what was interesting is at the beginning of the week, actually from last week, the previous week, um, there was a bearish cross in the indicators that I follow and showing that silver was going down. But what happened is actually silver recovered quickly. And then there was a bullish cross and, you know, you, you saw silver pop. What's really interesting about that is silver is now making up ground in that gold to silver ratio. Uh, in the past two weeks, it made up significant ground. Uh, so that's reducing the value of gold compared to silver, if you guys follow that. Um, last week, we had the SPY go over 300. And like Patrick started the show saying, like, how is this possible? Well, we're going to talk a little bit uh, later in the show as to I, I did a lot of math last week. Uh, just doing some math, I think a total of 12 hours specifically to understand the concept of why it was going over 300. So I'm, I, I think I'm going to be able to share this on the show. Uh, I hope I don't overload you guys with some information, but this is some pretty, pretty high level stuff. So we'll share that later on. Um, so Everson talked a little bit about goals. I wanted to uh, segue into how do we create goals? Why are goals important? on your journey in investing. And, you know, as for myself, uh, at the end of the month, I create my goals for every week for the following month and my goal for the overall month. And that gives me a target, you know, so that way I'm not too shy with my positions and I'm also not too aggressive. And the goals take into account how good I am at trading, what kind of returns I usually get, what kind of market we are in. And so that way it gives me a blueprint of how aggressive I should be with my positions. If, if I'm hitting way above my goal, then I know I need to throttle down a little bit because I'm being too aggressive and I'm not sticking mm -hmm. to my plan. So I wanted to All go right. with Everson since you brought up the, the, the point of goals. Uh, why are goals important for you? And then what's your procedure? You know, what kind of goals are you creating? Weekly goals, monthly goals, just a yearly goal? Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I, over this weekend, I actually talked. I had one of my friends come by. Uh, we we talked about goals, and uh, for me, goals were really important because it, it gives you perspective. And when you get that perspective, you want to move yourself into range, right? So, if say for instance, uh, since you're on finance, since you're talking about money, if your goal was to be able to make ten thousand dollars, you need to put yourself into perspective to make that not only uh, possible, but with with the relative of risk now you could you could take maybe an asset fund of some kind whether a call or put or whatever um, and make yourself that that 10 grand within a, a couple of weeks right on the right stock <clears throat> but is that practical if you only had a thousand dollars in my opinion it wouldn't I, I think you'd be taking too much risk so goals help you to see the perspective to know okay i want to reach this goal by x amount of time uh, I think that would be the best perspective to do it. Uh, you know, right now with, with the amount of assets that I that I control, and I, I think you guys can say the same. Um, there should be no reason why we can't make you know uh, five-digit salaries um, with with trading uh, off of one trade. But we put ourselves into perspective. I feel, in my opinion, um, well, I do it at least, and I I go for. I'm more focused on risk tolerance, um, and I build my I build myself that way. 
so so ever since i don't have to make money uh, overnight so uh, if if i've averaged about 50 dollars in profit for the past six months every week 50 dollars you know would it be realistic for me to make a goal to make ten thousand dollars next month every month you're only making 50 bucks so every week uh for the or past six week. months i've made 50 dollars you know, should my goal for next month be ten thousand dollars? Well, that'd be about you level. You've el- you leveled up pretty quickly there, Max. So and and so that the reason why I asked that question is because you said it's all a matter of perspective. You know, you're not going to go from making fifty bucks a week to ten thousand over a month. So that's why I love that you brought up the point. It's all about perspective, your skill level, right. how much you have, that kind of stuff. So, Patrick, what's your it- tech? I've said it where on a weekly or a monthly basis where I, I try to be in range with, oh, I want to make, you know, X amount in a week. But I mean, let's face it, as a trader, it's not going to be as consistent um, if, well, trading like how I trade, it, it's not going to be as consistent. You'll have some down days, and I think this goes for everybody, but you'll have some down days. So you'll have some times where in the week or in the month, you're not going to hit your goal. Well, you might even lose money in, in the process, but your overall perspective and how you recover from that is the most important thing. And that's where risk strategy comes into play. Absolutely. Now, Patrick, uh, what kind of approach do you have in setting your goals and uh, why are they important to you? So I have a little bit of a different perspective on it. Personally, I don't set monetarily or percentage goals just because of the fact that you know, things are so uh, changed so rapidly for me right now. And I'm involved in a bunch of different things. I have real estate a little bit. I mm-hmm. have collectibles. I have other stuff. So I have mortgages and everything. So with the stock market, my objective is mostly to focus. My goal is to stick to my strategy. Right now, monetarily, I don't really care. Obviously, I want to make profit, right? But I'm not trying to achieve a certain percentage. I've talked before, I've talked about it before, how I used to have a little bit of risk versus reward problems. So my whole goal right now is to just stick to sound principles and go up from there. So I'm not trying to reach a certain amount per month or something like that. I just want to stay in the green and go up and try to stick to the strategy and adapt it to something that's like safe and repeatable and consistent. So a little bit of a different perspective in that regards. No, I mean, that's what that's what the show is all about. I mean, you're getting three different ways to create your own goals and and how to follow through. Uh, So now let's talk. I'm having a lot of conversations. I have a lot of phone calls with uh, investors. And so, you know, I have more friends than Patrick and Everson. And, and I'm sort of getting into a few arguments right now where um, I have a lot of friends that feel like this is a very bullish market. Um, but also a lot of people are asking me, is the market going to crash in 2020? So I wanted to ask you guys, um, what kind of information would you say would support a bullish market in the foreseeable uh, future? So, Patrick, why don't you start with that? Why well, you, should we be bullish? You, you didn't mention that we had a pretty good argument about that this week. Um, my main theory about that is that with the government injecting money into the economy, unbelievable amount of liquidity in the economy. Just this week, I mean, they finally... Dec- um, 
reported what the Fed has been buying as far as bonds. They've bought, I believe, 140, don't quote me on that, but about 140 billion in bond ETFs just this, you know, up to now. So think about the amount of, of liquidity that adds to the market. And people know that there's almost a backstop to the stock market now. The government just will not let it drop under a certain point. And without getting into politics, you know, it being an election year, we all agree that it's in the government's uh, good interest to have the economy go pretty well, right? And they're hammering that the stock market is doing good. So the main theory on why the market is so bullish, in my opinion, is the government is going to backstop it no matter what. And there's always the fear of missing out that I talk about all the time. Companies are trading at some P's that are irresponsible almost. But when you see everyone buying it, you're like, well, I have to buy now or otherwise it's, it's going to keep going up. I mean, we already missed the bottom from March. So or should we jump in now? Well, a lot of people are having those conversations. I feel like there's Absolutely. sometimes that could be like a false sense, though, of, uh, you know, I, I'd i be cautious. I mean, like you said, the P.E. ratios are trading at levels that uh, are, are dangerous. And, you you know, look no further than Tesla and uh, AMD, right? Um, I have a different perspective when Wait, it comes to did, Tesla. Did I just hear you say short no, Tesla no, 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 or no. buy puts? <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, uh, I have, a, like I said, I had a different perspective when it comes to Tesla. I think that people are looking um, at more of the technology. They're not even looking at the fundamentals. Uh, so it's it's just a different animal. I mean, you know, Elon Musk, for for instance, he's just he's not a. I think he's an alien, um, not not a. Uh, he's going back he's, home on Mars. He. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> You must go to Mars. When we come here, I will introduce you to my people. No. Uh, but as far as like the, as far as like, we're talking about the bear markets in the, uh, right now, right? So right now, why are we bullish? You know, why should you why be are we bullish? bullish? So I, I would say we would be bullish now for the, the opportunity. Like, like Patrick was saying, it's an election year. You, but the feds and the, the U.S. Treasury, they have a responsibility, too, where they need to sustain the economy. And bringing, our, bringing the stock market at levels where you know, people are losing money in their 401ks, people are losing money in their retirements, those who, who want to retire, um, maybe they can't retire because they've lost 50% of their portfolio. So it's more than just the economy is more than just the election year. It's actually it's actually people's lives that uh, the feds and the, the Treasury, uh, you know, first and foremost, they need to they need to respect and they need to um, address um, not to mention other countries. Our stock market does affect the currency. Um, I could see that when you start to devalue our stock, you devalue the, the currency in an, in an off sense. I know that they they usually have offset set correlations, but I think the reality is is that the more worthless the dollar becomes, the more worthless our stocks become eventually at, at some point. So there's a fine balance. And I think, you know, Patrick, you never wanted to go into politics, but I think politics has a big play in all of this because 
on one side of the news media, you have you have uh, people saying, "Yeah, crash the stock market." Um, you know, that this is just this is white money or whatever. And then on the other side, you say, "Hey, build the stock market because of the trickle down effect." So you have these two analytical views of what people sh- feel that the market should be like. But when when the opposition is in house, you would never say that. So. I understand that a thriving market, a thriving economy um, may show success for the current presidency, but, you know, the bigger picture is what's at hand and, you know, lives at the bottom of it, lives matter, all lives matter, not just, just one, one type of, um, you know, segregated group of people. Um, and we'll all be affected in this if we keep playing dirty politics. And so that's why I feel in my research, I do a lot of uh, a lot of analytical study and a lot of uh, fundamental study on, on what's going on in the political realm. So it's just a different perspective for me. Um, it helps me to be able to understand the market a little better when I start to get involved with it like that. Yeah. Hey, Max, just before we get your perspective, I just want to say um, there's almost also a Robin Hood effect now. I don't know if you guys saw this, but you know, I've talked about Hertz before, and now I was keeping track of it. Well, as you guys might know, like it went, it filed for bankruptcy, right? And when it yeah. did, it crashed to 55 cents. But right now, people are so starved for good deals that people on Robinhood, it became one of the most owned stocks. People actually bumped the value of the stock from 55 cents to 137. So people actually bought into the bankruptcy even though the stock might possibly become worthless. So but that's just you, to that's just to mention how the FOMO effect is in full force right now. But do you think wow. that they did it because there's a, a reason for it? Maybe it was the restructuring deal that they could still it, it's um, possible. own the stock. It, it's possible, and, but there's a lot of younger traders that you know, they want to get in, they're not sure right. they, they they don't they're not cautious enough. Like they're going for big plays that might, they're not going for the uh, easy money, the low hanging fruit. They're going for speculative stuff. Well, what I was the overnight billionaire. Yeah. What I was thinking about is if you, if you guys uh, take a look at the stock of HA, which is Hawaiian airlines Uh, back in 2008, Hawaiian airlines went to restructuring. Uh, They filed for, uh, I think it was chapter 11 or, or one of the bankruptcy proceedings. But they were able to refinance their their deal. It's just interesting. Hawaiian Airlines buys a bunch of planes in a time where they knew that the economy was going through a recession and got all of that forgiven. And I believe that they never even had to pay pay those back. So is Hertz going through something of a similar process? Have they bought out all their fleets of cars and now they don't owe owe a single penny for it? No, I agree with you, Everson. But it's it's more of a comparison between something and something else in terms of like you're you're big into Tesla. Why not go into Tesla that you say yourself like you're a lover of Tesla that has massive potential in the future instead of going for a company that's on the verge of bankruptcy, hoping that they restructure, hoping that, you know, they keep some of their fleet and they rebuild because they're closing some of the locations. You know what I mean? Like it's when you come. No, but it 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 makes sense because from 55 cents, I mean, it could jump up to five bucks real quick. 
So if if I'm a Robinhood trader, I don't know a lot. You know, you buy a few share or a few contracts of Hertz, some calls, and next thing you know, you might actually make 400, 500, maybe a thousand percent return on your yeah. investment. And how much yeah. did you risk? Not that much because Only the options are very yeah. cheap. Put in hundred yeah. bucks, get five hundred back. All right, you guys ready to hear a little bit about my math? Yeah, why are so, we going bullish, Max? Why is the <laughs> stock market going back to? I don't remember what you said, but. So last week I mentioned a little bit, uh, and I agreed with this one investor that was saying that the market's overvalued, uh, the worst P.E. ratio since 2000. Um, but what he's comparing it to is the current price to the current earnings. And so the earnings are going to be horrible. Why? Because we're going through this process, this uh, virus uh, is affecting the, the market. But I'm going to keep the numbers simple. Uh, and I'm actually going to go very conservative. But if you're looking at the entire market, the stock market value, you're looking at about $20 trillion. They're saying at the end of 2020, it's going to be about $22 trillion. Um, and so from all the, uh, the research I've done, I've found three different values of how much money we've injected into the market. Um, 10,000, uh, I'm sorry, 10 uh, trillion 15 trillion and 20 trillion. So again, let's go with the most conservative 10 trillion dollars into the market. So that's actually 50% of what the stock market is. But that's actually let's go more conservative. The entire US economy is 20 trillion dollars. So now we have an entire value of 40 trillion dollars and we're adding 10 trillion dollars to the market. So now we're actually increasing the va uh, the price in the stock market by 25% conservatively. We're using all the low numbers instead of the high value. So I'm actually projecting for my own trading, I'm looking at the SPY going up to $540. But using these conservative numbers that I just mentioned, I'm talking about a SPY at 425. The SPY right now is at 304.32. And that's if there is no increase in value, this is just on the inflation, the price going up. So now once you get the earnings coming back, you're going to see the price go up even more. So that's why I'm very bullish, not because the increase in value, but because the increase in price directly correlated to the inflation. And if you want to add gasoline to the fire, the rest of the country, uh, the countries, especially Europe, is going with a negative interest rates, which actually forces investors to stay out of cash and invest in what's easier than real estate, the stock market. And what's more consistent in the entire world, which market's most consistent, the U.S. market. So we're getting flooded from around the world by uh, countries that basically can't keep cash. So all these numbers together, I'm looking at every single stock going up tremendously in the next six months. But enough about that. Let's switch the script and let's go with you, Everson. Why should people be bearish? Why could the market crash? Well, I, I just want to, I mean, maybe you can uh, bring in this topic later. Uh, or actually, I'll just bring in the, the, this topic now. Uh, the removal of the Hong Kong special trade status uh, and how it, I mean, it could, it could drastically change things for the U.S. market. I mean, how's that for, for bearish? I mean, that, 
that war has been going on for many years between China uh, and, and the U.S., but it's it's interesting that now it's coming to light, right? The, the narrative is stronger now, and China is more vocal about things now. So, you know, the, the pushback with, uh, with with the Chinese cell phone-making companies, uh, you know, obviously we don't want them to, to come in and interfere with our uh with our privacy, we, we don't want uh, changes to happen where China gets control of uh, our, our people uh, and our infrastructure. So as a responsible president, no matter who's the president, you would you kind of create a little bit of regulation around there, especially moving into the 5G uh, technology uh, with, with that with that same token. Um, you know, just looking at what's happening locally with the with the virus still there's a lot of reasons why you could still be bearish here um it seems that with some of the the local media they'll bring up issues about the numbers about the virus about hot spots and everything uh about a new occurrence or uh you know the virus changing now we're talking about like it wasn't bats it's monkeys like <laughs> i mean, it, it's always something negative uh, and I and I think the narrative is that you know the news media wants the economy to fail. Uh, what's interesting enough, uh, well, what what I thought was interesting was when you know you had an, an unfortunate incident with uh, that that guy George or whatever uh, Gregory or whatever his name was. I, I do apologize if I butchered his name, um, but you know, irresponsible for for any any person, you know, to be able to go through to that. I mean, I know this case and scenario is the officers that create wrongdoing, but you'll, you'll always have bad actors no matter where. Um, it, but to get to a point where now society is rallying around it and, you know, creating this, this uprise, I think, I, I think it's, it plays a part for fighting fire with fire. I don't think anybody wins finding fire with fire justice. Yeah, we need justice, but at the same time, you know, causing chaos, causing havoc, uh, would just for me, give me more fuel to the fire. And uh, so you, you think we need to stop the embryos. You're talking about what's going around the country might actually impact the market in a bearish, um, method. I think so. Yeah. I mean, When you when you got businesses that, you know, they just went to the virus. Now their stores are getting, you know, trashed and everything stolen. I'd shut down locations. I mean, in an offset, when you shut down locations, you make money uh, simply because you don't have that on your books anymore. You don't have that salary to pay for. But there's an offset. Uh, there's a butterfly effect, essentially, is what I'm saying. There's a butterfly effect to everything. So. Even, you know, that could be the number one, the number one store, for instance. And if that's your number one store, like most of the stores here, it's going to naturally be a number one store because of how we had our tourism. But we don't have tourism anymore. So how does that yeah. affect everything? Well, Walgreens mm-hmm. shut down. Our largest Walgreens that we had on KMOQ is shut down. Wow. Uh, as, of, as of June. And that's big news because they just built that building. Uh, so what other stores shut down? And, you know, quite frankly, I think that it, 
it would have been a big money maker if the economy just would have thrived uh, continuously. But now we can't even see that that research that that statistic. Huh. So how do you? How it do couldn't you know even last. Do? Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so Patrick, what do you have to add? I mean, why should people be bearish, and why uh, should they possibly take money out of the market? Honestly, I can't really tell you why because I don't believe in it. I mean, I asked you guys this week, are we in a perpetually bear bullish market right now because of the factors that I mentioned? So I don't believe in it, right? I I mean, I've said many times how I'm worried about second wave, possibly the conflict with China, as um, Everson mentioned, because there, I mean, if we bring it to the extreme, there might be almost a decoupling of our two economies, which would be pretty bad. They're already yeah. going to remove our um, preferential treatment towards Hong Kong. So all of those factors are bad, right? Like we agree that right. they're a risk, but the market right now is ignoring all those and has been. So right now, I mean, I don't see any reason right now to be bearish, cautious, but like, why would you sell right now? I don't see it. Okay. Well, so my opinion, why should you be bearish? Um, because it's very possible that we get a second or third wave of the virus, that especially too, when yeah. we get into the fall. It's very possible. And you know how scared people will be uh, when this happens again. And another reason why I would be bearish is because I always said that the people that lost their job that went on, on furlough, they would get their jobs quickly. They would get them back. And I actually said 60 to 80, uh, I'm sorry, 60 to 70 percent of uh, the unemployment would get their jobs back as soon as the economy went back rolling. The longer that we're staying in quarantine, Absolutely. especially in some states, uh, those jobs are actually now disappearing. And so now yeah. you went from furlough to actually now you are literally Dominant. unemployed. So yeah. the longer this process is lasting, to me, the, the, the more chances are that you could be bullish. Now, mm -hmm. I do want to couple the two views that I had, my bullish view of um, very high inflation, increasing prices in the stock market, plus my bearish view. I think that we will see a crash, a retracement, but we will not see a retracement all the way down to the lows that we saw in March. Not because it's not going to drop as low. It's because it will be the same value, but at a different price. And so for my chartists out there, technical analysts that understand the charts, it won't form a W. A W is when a chart forms a double bottom. It's actually going to create a, um, a sideways W. So the low of, the, of March will be much lower than the low of the, of the retracement crash, whatever you want to call it. It will be the same value, just at a much different um, price. Um, so if you're looking for the same entry price that you saw in March, in my opinion, even if we get into very bearish mode, I don't think you'll get back to those prices. Um, you'll get back to the value, just not the price. It'll be completely different. And uh, um, so that's my bearish view. I also feel like now that the market is above 300 or the spy is above 300, that gave confidence to Trump and his administration to go back to attacking China uh, with their trade war. They had put that on the sidelines since the virus came out. But now they feel confident with the market coming back up to uh, start swinging again. 
So ever since basically you're an expert on China trade wars, I want to start with him. Uh, give us, a, you know, what's happening with uh, the U.S.-China trade war? How is that going to impact us as consumers? And how could that impact us as investors as well? Well, I know that they wanted to renegotiate a deal, uh, China did, um, on, on trade. I mean, simply put, America uh, and Donald, he wants China to be purchasing more of our products. Uh, China said that they would do so. But now with all of this turmoil going on, uh, you know, China doesn't want to right now create a deal to be able to pick up uh, products from, from America. And so in return, we go and we try to uh, create a tax to levy that, uh, to, to create some kind of stability in, in that trade, in that trade balance. And I think that it, it's, it's, it's still an ongoing process. I mean, who knows at this point what will happen? I mean, there's just so many variations. And that's, that's what makes it even scarier for people is because, you, you, you know, you have the virus, you, you have the trade, you have Hong Kong, and you also have the relationship with people all over the world. I mean, you had 5G, and you have the relationship with finances all over the world that you know, not only America is working with, but also China's working with, with other countries like the Philippines, like the Arab nations and things like this. So it's, it's really hard for me to just look at one perspective of, of just trade in general without me having to focus on the other factors. And I think I'm not the only one. I think China realizes it. I think the uh, President Trump realizes it. Uh, so but, at this point, it's like you said, you know, play it ear by uh, play it by ear. But as ear consumers, we're, we're buying less from China now and a lot of countries are right. buying less from China. So right. why should they buy more from us if we're actually decreasing our consumption? Well, and, and see, that's that's the thing, too. Right. Uh, people are buying less from China because they don't trust China. Uh, in particular, Europe and uh, well, it's also they, they don't have money right now. Right, right. Uh, right. And so what China has done is they've offered attractive deals for other countries. I mean, if you're looking at, at like weaponry and, and things like that, they've offered attractive deals for them to be able to pick up um, or maybe just, you know, loans like free loans, zero percent. Plus, we're throwing an extra hundred grand on it. I think I've mentioned this before, but you can't mm -hmm. refute a deal like that when, when China's offering it to you. Uh, and that's what's happened with Philippines. That's what's happened with a lot of the docks that they've built in, in Africa and, you know, along the along the coastal, uh, the, the old silk trade uh, route. And so uh, I, I think the only 50-50 uh, deal was, was uh, one of them that I know of, Russia and, and China, when they built that bridge uh, that's now connecting Russia and China together. Um, that was a 50-50 deal. So Russia put in their resources, China put well, in their resources. To that, that was that. part of a, a backdoor um, trade agreement to right, bypass right. the U.S. dollar when buying oil. And uh, right. so that was part of that alliance. Patrick, what do right. you have to add to the uh, scenario in the U.S.-China trade war? And then how is that affecting your trading? Well, what's interesting is that, I mean, last year we had much tougher, like we didn't even have the phase one 
agreement yet. And a lot of companies were going down, you know, not really stable. But what's surprising is that right now, if you look at a company that has a lot of exposure to China, like Apple, Apple is much higher now than it was late last year, you know, yeah. the stock price. So I'm not sure. I mean, it's not really affected it nearly as much as I expected that it was going to. But what about this time? I mean, it really depends if they get into an agreement. I mean, you said that uh, the administration is a little bit more, it's the current climate is a little bit more conducive to go back to attacking, but not really. I mean, we really are interconnected with China right now. So, but we have to keep an eye out, especially with uh, the bill to potentially delist some of the Chinese companies. I, I feel like those are the ones that are mostly in danger. Um, we'll see. I mean, we have a lot of big companies that are dependent on China. So the administration is not going to totally like go all out about it. But well, you remember last time we we, uh, we started the conversation of that trade war and there was a negotiation going back and forth and then the news really got involved with it because it, it gave them a lot of eyeballs. And yeah. so one day they, they print out like, hey, the deal's not going to happen. They're so far apart. And you remember how it really affected prices, especially in the tech industry. It so did, how would you play with you, those news? Do you remember what happened every single time? The president launched a tweet that made the market go back up. So that's why I'm not as um, suspicious about it, just because of the fact that they don't want to let the market fall under any circumstance. So everything you said earlier about being bearish on the economy, you're right. I mean, I 100% agree. That's my personal uh, belief, right? That the market's a little shaky. I feel like we're halfway to the bubble of 1999 in terms of people being so exuberant about buying no matter what. But that doesn't mean that the stock market is going to go down. You know, people want to buy, so it's going to keep going up for a while until eventually the bubble bursts. And I don't think that they want the bubble bursting from the China trade war. So I think it's ever since it's too big too. I mean, okay. institutional money, I think it's too big. So you get the government that's trying to step in to correct it. I mean, let's face it. I, at some point, we all want to retire. Uh, we can't retire on a down market. <laughs> We'd have to just keep working until that market comes back up again. Uh, and many people don't realize it because many, many people are on, on their nine to five. And what were you going to say, Max? No, I was just going to say, I could see you on the edge of your seat ready to give us some more information. So I was going to go to no. you. Yeah, no, I, I just, I agree uh, with, with Patrick. I mean, they, there's nothing, uh, Trump doesn't want the market to go down. The feds don't want it to happen. U.S. Treasury doesn't, doesn't want that to happen. People who are retiring don't want that to happen. Um, Europe definitely doesn't want that to happen because they're so interconnected. I don't think the world wants it to happen, but China does. And Even a pandemic wasn't enough to keep the market down for more than a month. Think about that. Let that sink in. Well, but let's not be too cocky about it, too, because, I mean, we don't know what kind of tricks China has up their sleeves. So, you know, they, they started it. You could, tell, you could tell right now 
after everything that there's a frustration with President Xi. But he wants to create something where, and you know ultimate power is, is there. You could just see it. You could see it in the narrative. You could see it in the dialogue. Uh, you could see it in the echoing effects where we'll start to see it in the, in the news media. It's transparent with what China wants. So when you hear that kind of narrative, when you hear the echoing of that uh, going through in and out of, uh, and you can even see the moves in the market and everything, it, I want to be optimistic at the same time. I am, I am sort of, I do put puts as insurance, but at the same time, I'm, I'm a little more bullish. I mean, I, I said it last week, Friday, right, where we had the discussion about whether the market was going up or down this week, and uh, I, I called it. You got it right. You said it was going to go up. You did. Hey, guys, it, it breaks my heart. All right, Patrick, you got like two sentences. Yeah, I just want to ask Everson. I don't know if you've revealed it on the show or not, but you're involved with some Chinese companies like JD. Like, so how do you trade it now in this uh, circumstance? I believe that you said that you wanted to keep it for a while and see what happened, but how do you handle that? Because when you look at how many people are in China and you look at its penetration rate, I mean, and, and the fact that everyone's staying home, JD is like the eBay. No, we, so, I agree on that. Okay. But with the yeah. current condition of the market and the uncertainty we've been talking about, that doesn't like make you it doesn't, nervous? It doesn't apply. It doesn't apply at all. Because like I said, so J, JD is a competitor to Alibaba. Um, and Alibaba isn't going anywhere. There's just too much money in it. JD isn't going anywhere because there's just too much money in it. And when you look at the correlation between people in China and the penetration rate, they haven't really experienced full-heartedly this concept of ordering online, like in America. Until the pandemic, we haven't fully embraced the concept of ordering packages online until now. Now it's yeah. the new reality. And now is the new move into the future. So this is new money. So that's, that's where my confidence is in, in it. And the fact that we haven't reached full market penetration and there's a billion people in China. There's a billion people in China and only Boom. a few million are there buying things. So it's like, it, it's, it's literally to me a no brainer that you would, and, and it's a reflection directly in the stock. I mean, that stock popped as, like 3%. As as all right, guys, it, it, it hurts my heart. It breaks my heart, but I need to end the show here. We've <laughs> run out of time, but this is just to show you how just a conversation that we have every week is actually making ourselves a better trader. I'm a better trader because of this show, because of the conversations I have with Patrick and Everson. And we're providing you guys with all this value, all this information to make sure that you become a more profitable, consistent, safe trader. And that's what we're here for. We're glad to share that information with you guys. Have Make it a great trade or not. The choice is yours. Click subscribe, send us a comment, a question. We love to answer those. We will see you next week and have a great week. See you guys.